Hello, Mike here, founder of Talk About It, mate. This has been an amazing uh, series, season, as you call it, a podcast. This is the final one in this in this set, uh, episode thirteen of season two. And for this one, uh, not only was I joined by John and Ed, who were a big part of the Talk About It, mate family. Uh, I also was joined by. Um, Kieran and Nick from Dad Matters. Dad Matters is a, is a home start project based in Greater Manchester. Uh, they aim to help dads have successful relationships with their families, but also to support dads with things like anxiety, stress, and mental health issues. And this was so interesting. I learned so much. And you know, I'm not a father, but hope to, hopefully one day I will be. And just the information from just this podcast will stand me in very good stead. But uh, just to, and also a celebration of what we've achieved here uh, as an organisation. Let's talk about it, mate. What we've achieved. Um, going to be working much more closely with John going forward. But also, yeah, I'm going to give myself a shout out. I've put a lot of effort in getting these off the ground, and sometimes I'm not I'm not the best at you know saying I am proud of myself because I am. And I really hope you enjoy this, which is episode 13. Of season two of the Talk About Mate podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, welcome to season two, episode 13, the last episode in season two, where we talk to people from different organizations. Um, and this is a good organization that I'd lo- we want to give a little bit more exposure to because they're doing great work called Dad Matters. Uh, and I'm very pleased to be joined by a couple of the Talk About It Mate guys today. Um, firstly, John, who's who's coming on board and helping move a lot of the Talk About It Mate work. How are you doing, John? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I got up at a relatively decent hour today. Feel feeling good. Good man, good man. And, and secondly, we've got Ed, who, who has also been on the podcast. And hopefully, being a father, will be able to give us some good insight today. So, Ed, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm actually on really good form today. I've just had the most hectic week at work because I've been furloughed. So, I had to get a load of projects finished before I got furloughed. So, I was doing like 16-hour days. So, I'm now, that's finished. I'm furloughed. I can relax for a bit and focus on some self-care. Good man, good man. Okay, and then, yeah, so pleased to announce that we've got uh, Kieran and Nick from Dad Matters, and they're going to tell us a little bit about their organisation. So how are you guys today? You all right? Yeah, good, thank you. Really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty good. I'm looking forward to the weekend, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and, yeah, we're really looking forward to finding out about your organisation and giving you, you know, this platform uh, to, to talk about it, which is what we do. So, Kieran, I'll start with you. Like, how did... Dad matters, you know, come about and get started. Okay, so about um, three years ago, just over three years ago now, uh, Homestar over in Oldham, Stockport and Tameside um, decided that they wanted to work more closely with dads around parent-infant relationships. Um, Homestar is split up into lots of different schemes. You have them all over the country. Um, They're all various sizes with various different projects, but their core offer is all about supporting families with families. So they recruit volunteers, they train those volunteers and, and manage them. And then those volunteers then do home visits uh, with families, like two to three hours a week with the same family. They support them with a, a whole raft of issues like getting out of the house, social isolation, mental health issues, um, childcare issues, parenting. Um, but it's all parents supporting parents and that's kind of the ethos. 
So the home start that uh, created Dad Matters in, in Oldham Stockport and Tameside, they started, uh, also started a parent infant mental health training project for our volunteers. So some of the volunteers get extra training, support parents with that relationship, those early relationships, um, all based on supporting attachment so babies can develop uh, and get the best start in life is the main aim. They realised really soon that actually a lot of the families they, they work with, when we say families, they mean mums. Um, and no, nobody explicitly says it's only mums and they absolutely want to work with dads. It's, it's all about a family, but dads don't engage with it. So they needed to kind of have another angle to get the dads in. Um, so they got a, an innovation grant from the Health Foundation to look at how they could um, deliver their parent infant mental health project for, for dads specifically. Um, and then when they got me in post, we looked at how, uh, what, what dads wanted from a parent infant service. Um, they told us they wanted information. They wanted somewhere to go that belonged to them that, so they didn't have to bother their partners, uh, services or, or professionals around them. Um, they also wanted it to be quite factual and down to earth. And they wanted it mainly through the internet. So a website or, or an app or uh, social media. So the first thing we did working just in Tameside at this point was uh, set up our website to have lots of referral mechanisms in there, lots of links to, to services, third sector services, um, adult mental health services, um, uh, dads and kids play and stay groups, that kind of stuff. Um, the way that we uh, developed our social media then was that it, it was very much a platform for sharing information. We're not like a, an, a group for dads to come to, to, to moan or, wine we do get a lot of comments and we get a lot of support from other dads but it's not an open forum it is all around parenting and, and mental health and, and sort of that parent infant relationship and we don't really have to do a lot of monitoring of that it just naturally comes that way we have a lot of professionals on there including midwives health visitors adult mental health services early attachment psychologists who are all on our page and regularly chip in so once we decided that that was the content and that was the way we wanted to deliver that information, then we had to get it to the dads. And um, we were looking at how that would work. The first thing we did was take referrals from, um, from professionals, mainly health visitors, uh, but also from our home start colleagues who were working with families. Um, we worked with around 20 dads. <clears throat> we figured out that actually what we were doing, we, because we weren't an intervention service, we were just supporting those dads to get to those services they needed to get to. Um, empowering them to understand that they are allowed to talk to health visitors and midwives and um, and children's centres and, and those kind of services. So the referral system became a very short piece of work with each dad where we could help them to offload, think about what was going on with them, sit alongside those issues that they had, particularly around parenting, sometimes around birth trauma, which is, is quite a big piece of our work, um, and thinking about mum's mental health and how dads support that as well, um, and then support them into the services. But alongside that, we, we realized quite early on that taking referrals of dads meant that one person could see maybe 20 dads in a year um, alongside all of the other work. But actually, we needed to go to where dads were already engaged and see a lot of dads because the information we were giving out, the earlier the dads got that, the more likely they were to find support when they needed it. So we looked at where dads are in that journey of parenting. And uh, the Father of the Institute brought out some... Um, research called uh, a research paper called who's the bloke in the room that stated that uh, over 96 percent of dads attend an antenatal appointment that's usually a 20-week scan so we started by sitting in the waiting area at, at Tameside Hospital waiting for the dads who were 
go into the scans. They were they could be sat there for two hours, um, and on a Friday morning we could see up to fifty dads uh, and give them some information about us, about services that were going on. Um, but as the time went on, we realised we could tweak the information that we were talking to them about to help them to create a psychological space really for their babies. Um, creating that relationship before baby comes because it's quite abstract when you're expecting a baby you don't really feel that there's anything happening there's no no physical sort of symptoms or signs or um so talking to them about what color eyes they think the baby might have what football team baby's going to support uh what hobbies are they going to share with the baby are they looking forward to going on holiday with them just putting baby in mind at that very early point really helped those dads then to formulate that relationship early on and with that work, obviously getting out there to all these dads, 50 dads a week, and there were different dads every week as well, meant 200 dads a month is a, a massive number of dads to, to engage with. But it wasn't um, an, an intervention, it, it was information giving or, or signposting. So then we were looking at antenatal classes, and uh, 90, I think, no, 86% of the people on an antenatal class are dads. Um, but not all parents go to antenatal classes, particularly um, if they've already got children and they've been to one before, they don't repeat it usually. Uh, but what we looked at was how we could um, support the midwives to engage those dads around parent infant mental health. Some midwives were taking dads out and doing some stuff with dads, like having a dad's Q&A session, which is great because the dads get the opportunity to ask questions with the partners not there. But what we found was that what the dads were asking about was mum, and um, all of their questions were around pain relief, around supporting mum's mental health, around how they can support mum during labour. Um, none of it was about them and not a lot of it was about the baby. So what we wanted to do was take them out and give them the opportunity to, to learn about attachment, which is a huge motivating factor for dads to, to look after their own well-being. Um, learn about mum's mental health and what that means to them and then link that to their own and explain that postnatal depression is for both parents. It is something to watch out for in both of you. Um, and then talk about signposting and services that, that they can engage with that might help them as well. Um, and we did that with maybe 12 dads at each antenatal session. We did that three times a month. So we, we would see maybe 60 dads, uh, oh no, 40 dads a, a month-ish. So that was the very early days. And then we were on the radar then for the Greater Manchester Parenting for Mental Health um, rollout. So the parent infant mental health peer support services that Homestart run were being rolled out and um, we wanted to look at how we could scope Dan Matters into that as well. So now we are across the whole of GM. Um, the the basic pilot is, is our universal model but we've kind of branched out a little bit which I'm sure we'll get on to later on but maybe you've got questions about the whole startup thing because it is quite uh, complex. Well, there's a lot there, yeah. I just say, just what's coming out for me is like how accessible that you've made it for the, for the dads. Like, I think the the thing I'd be thinking is, oh, you know, how are they getting that support? But you making it accessible, and and also, I don't know, bringing guy dads together as well. Like, if guys when they see other guys going through something similar, there can be like a real bond there, can't they? Yeah, I think one of the one of our main um, the premise of Dad Matters is that we have to go to where dads are engaged. We can't advertise our services and expect, expect dads to refer themselves to us or come to us. That does happen, but a very low number. Um, so we need to go to them. And that's kind of how we've always 
promoted everything. So every new development that we have, we think about where dads are for that development. We don't think about what we can provide to them. Um, we use the same sort of structure for it as well, which really helps. But it's, um, yeah, it's trying to get those services on board to understand what it is we're doing. That's been difficult. Um, if you look at our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, there's loads of content, loads of information, but we don't particularly talk about the face-to-face -face work on there. So it's really easy to think that we're a dad's, a dad's group on Facebook. We're not um, doing this face-to-face -face work. But we are clinically supervised through uh, the Great Manchester Strategic Lead for Parenting for Mental Health. Um, so all the content that we're giving out is, is absolutely on the ball. Um, all of our coordinators all have uh, clinical supervision with parenting for mental health specialists. Um, we go on all the specialist training that we can go on, particularly around parenting for mental health. Um, and then all the services we work with are, are really buying into it. They all want to work with dads. They just don't really know how to do it, particularly maternity services and, and health visiting. They, they really need that kind of uh, dad angle, I think. There is a lot going on there. I think it's fantastic how you have approached it as an organisation by really considering where your stakeholders are, what they need. And I suppose that leads on to my sort of first question, which would be like, what's the, from your, your journey from where you started until now, what sort of services do you offer across the board? Because there's a lot in that that you just described to unpack. So if I was a prospective user of that matters using might be the wrong word um what what would you offer i suppose i think there's there's two perspectives to consider there um the first one is our, everything that i've talked about up to now was our pilot and what we've done is adapted that to fit different scenarios so we use the same techniques the same information the same content um in different scenarios so now we recruit volunteers to do the um the dad chats um, which is what we call the groups in the hospital. Uh, the outreach is also called Dad Chat, and we have volunteers now who do training who, who can deliver those for us. So we've expanded those quite a lot. Um, in February, which was our last full month of face-to-face -face work, we saw 125 dads across Greater Manchester. In April, because of new uh, hospitals coming on board with those groups, we would have seen over 320 um, in just in April, which is a massive number of dads. Um, one of the... Uh, the ways that we've expanded it then is looking at what services are around that engage with parents and then asking them how they engage with dads. So uh, some of the targeted work that we do, the targeted groups that we do, uh, one of them is at the mother and baby unit, which is at Withenshaw Hospital. So that's for, for mums who've got uh, severe mental health issues like postpartum psychosis or severe, uh, severe postnatal depression. Um, and they're an inpatient at that, at that unit and baby goes with them. So we do a drop-in for dads once a month where we work with the dads on uh, that kind of attachment, bonding, supporting them with mental health, make sure they've got somewhere to talk um, for, for those dads specifically. Because we know the dads visit the mums on the unit, we go to the unit to do it. We also have a, a teen dad chat, which we do with our FNP uh, colleagues. So that's the Family Nurse Partnership. They work with teenage parents and teenage dads are very engaged. They want to learn and they want to know about stuff. And very often they get disenfranchised really early. Um, so we're trying to support them to understand that their relationship with their baby is important and whatever else happens around them, they can keep that going and they can improve that at, at every point. Um, we also do a dad chat uh, in Bolton where we work with a specialist mental health midwives and we walk around the NICU, which is the neonatal unit. So we speak to dads there and it's very much a signposting process. We're not offering 
peer support. We're just giving them a chance to, to talk about the situation, which they all appreciate. Um, and then signpost them into other services like uh, Spoons is a great Manchester service for uh, neonatal parents. Um, Bliss also have lots of information. Um, we also have groups in the pipeline that should have started around February or March, but haven't quite got there before lockdown. Um, that would be for uh, perinatal fathers. So the perinatal community mental health teams in Greater Manchester work with mums, but they also see the dads, but don't work particularly with them. So we have a, we're setting up a group in each area for those dads to be invited to, um, which is a little bit out of our comfort zone. Cause as we said, we don't want to invite dads to things, but because these dads are engaged and they know that we can support them to support their partners, we're hoping that that's going to be that like the, the motivating factor for them. Um, and then some more that are coming up in the future, we're looking at having uh, groups for dads who've experienced child loss, who maybe have gone on to have other children, um, and then looking at, at um, strengthening families where, where parents may be uh, in, in the sort of social services system, supporting them with that attachment, bonding, parenting, that kind of stuff as well. Um, but, but locally, well, that's the services. We can get onto the, the, how the local commissions work, and I think Nick can probably tell you a bit more about that. Yeah, um, so my role started in uh, 1st of April, so commissioned full-time uh, to work within the Salford area, specifically with dads uh, in, the, in the perinatal period. So um, in terms of what I'm offering at the minute is um, I've, I've connected with a couple of dads over, over, over phone. Um, normally we'll go out and visit these dads and kind of speak with them and things, but kind of just doing it over the phone. Uh, and then I've just been kind of connecting with the different services around Salford and doing a little bit of mapping work. So obviously as I was doing the mapping work, I came across Mike and let's talk about it, mate, which is really good because I thought, you know, peer support group is clearly going to come in, in in touch with dads who, you know, just need that peer support. And it might not be they need peer support from another dad. It might just be they need peer support from another male. And like Kieran said, we're not a long-term thing. We'll work with dads as long as they need to. But the main thing is that we can do some work with them around attachment, around improving their relationship with their baby. But then where can we, you know, work with them alongside to access something else so then, They've got some other peer support with that as well. Um, so it'd be a case of it might be that we work with the dad and uh, getting him to, you know, like a a, a baby group on a, on a Saturday, like a dad, like a dad and baby kind of group kind of thing where he would then meet other dads in his situation. Or we would, you know, I would get in touch with Mike and we'd kind of say, I've got this dad, you know, is there anyone who can support him um, with, you know, anything else that he's going through outside of obviously, you know, with baby and the family and things like that. So, um because I started in April kind of in the middle of lockdown it's kind of like my role is kind of developing kind of as I go along and so I'm just really excited when I can get out there you know and start meeting these dads and start working with them and, and kind of see what what scope we've got but um yeah our main thing is that we're uh, working with the dads in the perinatal period so anything from conception obviously up to up to age two and really kind of focusing on how important their mental health is uh, for themselves but also for the relationship with their baby and how important those first two years are for the baby as well. I'm, not, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know anything about like You know, like when I spoke to Mark Williams about his perinatal period and he was saying how much more susceptible and vulnerable people are in mental health. And I'm, mm. I'm, I think I'm reasonably well versed in mental health, but it's something I've not considered because I imagine, again, trying to put it in layman's terms for me a bit, but like you, you're thinking about your partner, you're thinking about your child and you're not thinking about yourself, are you? And, and like what Kieran said before, it's having someone to be with them to help them focus on it's a little bit 
like counselling in, in a way. If not, but it, it, there's a lot of crossovers. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm um, I'm not an expert. I'm not clinically trained or anything like that. I'm 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 a dad, you know. So uh, I mean, some people could say you're an expert, but I'd you know things I've got wrong, things I've got right as being a dad, you know. And and there's probably more times I might have got things wrong than I've got right. But um, you know, so but I know what it's like to be a dad. I know how hard it can be. And, so, but, and I think one of the biggest things is, is that dads are unaware of kind of biologically what can go on in terms of when they're preparing for a new baby. So like stuff like the estrogen levels and testosterone levels can, can change and everything. Their body, their body will start getting ready for it. Um, you know, but all this is unknown. You know, the, the dads don't know this. It's not talked about um, because whether it's, it's not cool or whether it's just because, you know, rightly so, a lot of it is focused on the, on the mum um and so dad's knowing that you know i think then they'd be more open to kind of you know aware of, of how their mental health can be affected but i think also it's unknown that in the first two years the baby's brain development is is done by 80 percent, so it's developed by 80 percent. and i think if, if dads know that that in the those first two years how crucial that period is for their baby's brain development you know is is a key thing as well that, that just small things that they can do to help their their own mental health, the baby's mental health, but also the brain development of the baby as well. You know, and, and simple things like skin to skin, uh, talking to the baby, singing to the baby, reading to the baby, just doing, you know, lots of in, in, playing interaction. Because um, I think a lot of the time I think, oh, they're only baby, they're only two kind of nothing, not much is going on, but it's amazing how much can be going on with yeah. the baby and also with their kind of brain and, and all the kind of, you know, things that are connecting in there. Like I say, I'm not, you know, I'm not scientific in any way, I'm not, you know, clinically trained or anything, but this sort of stuff is, I think, really important for dads. They need, they need to know it. They need role models like yourselves as well, I think, because, like, th- th- if you put a barrier and if someone is too clinical, like, even men in mental health in general, like, I struggle to access services because I couldn't... I've got this big thing about the people that I interact with being quite authentic, and if there's a, something there, I don't engage. But I, I want to bring Ed in here, actually, because his kids have all grown up, and I imagine this kind of thing was, wasn't around then. I don't know, like... It's absolutely, it's just absolutely fascinating to hear what sort of work you're doing. There was, uh, and the thing that really struck me was who's the bloke in the room. And sometimes as a father, so my eldest is uh, 26 and my youngest is 20 now. So, you know, we, and I was, me and my wife, girlfriend at the time, we were very young having kids. She was 19 when she got pregnant. I was 21. Um, and we were barely, my wife, uh, she sums it up by saying we were kids bringing up kids because we were just out of college. We, you know, we, we, ha- we hadn't long been out of our own parental homes ourselves. And then suddenly we were given responsibility for another human being. And that, I think, I think the preparation for that, whatever, you know, the parenting books that are out there, whatever leaflets are given by the health worker or something, you're just never prepared for the impact of becoming solely responsible for another human being. Um, and I think with that, with the support network that you're talking about, I think that would have made a massive difference to me. I mean, I've, I, I've grown up, I've brought up three kids, but I've also uh, lived with depression all my life. And I know the impact that that's had on them. But, but that feeling of, of being the, the bloke in the room, that really has really resonated because it, it, it did it did feel like that a lot um, and then what we went to I think the, the thing that's stuck out to me most about going to the sort of prenatal classes 
was that we looked so young. We were the youngest in that room and we looked really young and it were people having their second or first child who were a lot older than us. And it felt like we, you know, we were just, you know, oh God, another teenage pregnancy sort of thing. And that, you know, that, it took a while for, for us to sort of, you know, settle into any sort of a pattern of, of, of strength of parenting the, the, our, our eldest. It got easier as our, as our, we had we had two more um but whatever books are out there you just you know you just not, there's nothing really there to prepare you for what's coming the, the, the impact on your relationship with you and your partner the impact on your sleep the impact on your day-to-day -day routine you know we didn't we just learned that the hard way and 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 the fact that that support network is out there now for dads i think is just absolutely amazing i think that would just make would have made such a massive difference to me and i think it would have helped my mental health as well i think you know when um just listening to you speak my situation is pretty much the same um i was 20 when we had my eldest there was no support there went to the antenatal classes they were all 25 plus um it it felt like it wasn't my my place to ask questions or to learn i had to wait for my partner to find stuff out and let me know it and i think that's my driving factor for making that matters work uh, the way that it does um i think as well that attunement with your baby is is the thing that passes by us, us dads um we folk men in general focus on the practical stuff that we can solve we're always looking at solutions uh, we had a dad at one of our groups who who was visibly upset but he was worried more about his um, extension not being finished before the baby was born. And after a 20 minute chat, he realized that actually it was more around his relationships with his parents, his relationships with his partner, and very much his, his bonding with his baby because he, he thought that if the extension wasn't done, he wouldn't have the time to, to do that bonding. Um, and working with him on, on those kind of really practical techniques on bonding, supported him then to focus on all the other stuff that he had to do. I think we do focus on the practical stuff and ignore the, the emotional um, development. And I think the, the angle that we use is that your baby's brain physically develops when you smile at them or when you talk with them or when you touch them. You're physically creating brain connections and those brain connections are going to last for their whole life. So if those are positive brain connections, it's going to improve their reactions when they're toddlers. It's going to improve their reactions as teenagers um, and it's going to improve their life chances across their whole life. But it's also going to make parenting easier when they get older. Um, and knowing that as a, as a new dad would have been invaluable to me. Um, and I think Nick said earlier, we get things wrong, but we can get things wrong. You know, you only have to react to your baby's cues 60% of the time for it to be good enough. Um, and if it's too good, your babies then feel that you're reacting all the time. and They don't get used to disappointment. Um, what we don't want to do is not be a responsive parent, but if your baby wants you to play, but you're doing the washing up and you've got to finish it, then doing the washing up and finishing it is okay as long as you go back and play later on, you know. Um, so getting it wrong is okay. Um, asking for support is also a, a good way to go, but we don't do that as men, do we? No. I think there's a really interesting link for me as, as a, a, a non-parent and between this notion that that men um, like to fix things and this i'm thinking more generally about mental health as the wider concept in the past perhaps before all these new services and types of support were out there we would go to something like a self-help book or read some theory into you know 
how you can help yourself but actually nothing has been more powerful for me than peer support and the notion of I think there's something in that well there definitely is something in that a shared experience is more powerful than some expert that feels removed from you telling you what you should be doing and I think that seems analogous here in this conversation is just speaking to another dad you might be both imperfect but you're imperfect together and that that peer connection actually is is profound and powerful and it's amazing to see that across different types of um to lump it in with mental health and disciplines i guess it's it's very um encouraging for me i think that's a key point in uh, in the way that we approach mental health so the men in, in the groups don't want to talk about their mental health, um, but they do want to talk about their partner's mental health. They want to talk about postnatal depression. They want to talk about their partner being okay. Um, and we use that to, to link that to, to men's mental health and, and male postnatal depression. And we talk about the hormonal change that Nick's men Nick mentioned earlier. We talk about how um, the situational change is, is a massive impact. We also talk about the normality of, of mental health and how baby blues is a normal part of, of having a baby and that your partner probably will have baby blues for a, a couple of weeks. But knowing the signs that, that may be red flags that you might want to get more support, having those techniques to, to talk to your partner about what's going on for them because, um, because that's a really hard thing. A lot of dads don't know what to say to bring up the fact that their partner's behavior's changed or their mood's changed or they're worried about their parenting or their, their relationship with the baby. Um, well, that all links in then to if you want to be able to speak to your partner about their mental health then they need to speak to you about yours you need to be able to listen to other people about what's going on for you because you might not know you might miss it um and the, the sooner that you can acknowledge it and talk about it the sooner you can get into those services and support groups that help um and we we advocate speaking to your partner to your family to your mates um, and then the next level from that is, is groups like uh, men's support groups and talking groups. And then it might be online counseling services and then it might be adult mental health services. But there's, there's lots of stages you can go through and there's lots of services that can support everyone. So however you want to engage, there's something there for you. But unless you acknowledge it early, you'll, all, you'll only um, acknowledge it in crisis. And we need yes. to get to the point where we do that before crisis. That's a real crossover with our messages that right from the beginning to talk about it, mate, even when it was just like a casual coffee shop meetup, I always said it's early intervention. You know, we're there to, to catch people who would never have accessed some kind of services anywhere. And, and this was, we do men and women, but like the men's thing has really come through. It's like, I wait, I, I didn't take steps for my mental health and I ended up having a breakdown. I mean, now I look at it as a breakthrough, but like at the same time, like, I would have preferred to have not got to that stage because uh, it was very, very painful to go through those things. And, you know, we're trying to catch men and like make it accessible, signpost them. And in terms of the end goal, yeah, I, I would say the end goal is to get more people to access talking therapies because people always think that talking therapies are just there for times of crisis, but literally people will thrive. Like I wouldn't have even set up this organization, but I was thriving with my mental health. I've gone past you know comfort zone i was growing i was pushing myself you know you know i lost loads of weight and got married like i was doing things that i'd never thought i would because i'd lived with anxiety and depression but i was thriving because i'd accessed those services and i find with men yes they might not open up straight away 
but when they engage with something, when the penny drops, men are incredibly effective at getting stuff done. And what you're doing and what all these services are doing is a massive, massive thing. And I think that goes hand in hand with the idea that you might, you might focus on, well, I think this is maybe where I would have gone if I was preparing to be a parent, preparing to be a dad. I would have like thought, no, I'll be all right because I've done all this work, I've done all this preparation and sort of like focus outside of myself on the situation and lose that focus on me. And that's when you put yourself in a, in a position of, of peril, really, of danger. Because if, if you stop thinking about yourself, you, you can end up in situations like Mike's describing. I know that I've been through that myself, like put all my focus on my career, on my relationships to the point where I completely forgotten about myself. So that early intervention, understand. So for example, if I was going to have a, a child now i'd immediately be like going to dad matters and be like right okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that maybe i'm too far that gone that way now in terms of my mindset but i know i now know the benefit of of being aware of my own self and my own health as a preventative way of thinking so as, as, it's interesting because I, I suppose i'm asking for the future but you mentioned um conceptions two years how early and for how long do you stay involved with that? And, or, or have you got a view on what you might want to do? So, well, all the information that we have, all the content, all of that engagement that's universal um, is throughout the whole period, whole perinatal period. When we do referrals, it's very short, maybe a month, maybe six weeks. Um, but it, it can change depending on the dad, depending on the situation. We have, uh, at the moment, I'm working with a young dad, a uh, teenager, who his baby's not due till mid-August. So we're just staying in touch every month. Um, and then as it gets closer, we'll do every week. And then we'll probably have a few weeks after that just to talk to him about attachment and, and development and stuff like that. Um, and he can always come back into the service if he needs some more support later on. Um, but it's very short because what we know is we're not an intervention. We're not offering uh, a therapy. We are being we're sitting alongside them we're helping them to acknowledge what's going on for them whether that's positive or negative and then showing them the options that they've got and allowing them to engage those options um but there's a there's a big difference between our universal offer which is kind of for everyone across the board we have dads that don't have under twos in there um we have uh, adoptive parents we have surrogate parents we have lots of people that can access all of that information because the content we're giving out is parenting is not dad specific we're making it dad specific by by promoting it through our brand um, and that's the importance of the brand is that it belongs to dads um, we're not i'm not particularly precious about it although my boss would go mad if i said that um, but the, the brand makes the uh, it, it helps those dads to acknowledge what we're doing is for them and they'll see us at um, the first appointment that they go to with the partner the, the midwives will give them our details and they'll see posters up the 20-week scan, hopefully they'll see a volunteer doing outreach in the, in the clinic and talk to somebody, or they'll get a leaflet at that point as well. They'll see us on the labour wards with our pull-up banners in every labour ward in Greater Manchester. They'll see us in postnatal clinics and postnatal wards. They'll see us in children's centres. Um, and hopefully by that time, they've found us on social media and they can engage with us through that as well. And it becomes a, a journey for them so that they know at every point in that journey, they can come to us for support. And there's things that we don't work with, we don't support with. Um, such as things like contact, which is a massive mental health issue for a lot of dads. Um, we work on those relationships with, with babies and we can support them with that. 
but we sign postmen to other services for things like contact, um, court procedures, all that kind of stuff, because because there are better professionals out there specific in, in those areas. But it doesn't mean that they can't come to us for that. Um, we've had dads come back to us after two years after a dad chat at Tameside Hospital asking us for support with something else. They moved out of the area, I mean quite far out of the area, like down south somewhere. Um, and they're contacting us for support uh, or for signposting and that's a really positive message, I think. Are you, are you noticing a difference now with younger dads compared to sort of when, when I was a, a younger dad and that sort of the whole sort of concept of sort of being emasculated by how much you are involved with your kid that it's you know it's your I should be out there working and, and being a breadwinner as opposed to being seen as the, an equal partner in, in raising a child I think obviously that's changing now in society anyway but do you do you still find that even with working with younger dads in 2020 that you know well it's it's not my role it's the mum's role I'm the dad I'm going to I have to do the dad thing. Does that? Do you still come across that? Do you want to take this one, Nick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've not come across that, but um, for me, I think a, a big thing for if, if I do, it would be I, I, I suppose what their experience of a dad was and what the how how engaged their dad was. Yeah. So for me, uh, in terms of looking at previous research and things, how important dads are in the social and emotional outcomes of children and their educational outcomes are so key, you know, far beyond what mothers can do. And that's not to say obviously mothers aren't important. Uh, you know, both mum and dad are important, but dads, I think, bring an extra dimension in terms of a role model um, and things. And some of, a lot of my background is in education. And there are so many times where I could see children without the male role, male, male role model and kind of, not that you'd notice them and judge them, but you kind of just felt, you know, you could potentially see there that, that, that there wasn't something in it you know, doing a little bit, you know, working with that child that you could potentially see that, you know, should they have a father male role model or just a male role model, how, what difference that could make. And so, so big passion for me is that if, if we can get dads getting that right within the first two years of, of, of the baby's life and that, you know, then if, if we can get that right, then hopefully then as the baby's growing up and growing older, the dad will be, because they've been so used to being part and being active, in, in the baby's life that as the baby grows up and goes older that that's something they'll just want to do all the time um, because I think so many times that we're that we're seeing that culture has said that yes they need to be the major breadwinner and things like that but even even I mean even if they are the major breadwinner I mean I don't like that term even if main income earner um, that they can still have a great relationship with, with, their, with their child you know by just doing the small things each and every single day and even when they're not working you know doing things like just taking taking the child out away you know away from the partner and just spending that key time with them just all those simple things can build that great relationship and so then when the child gets older that that relationship that's been built will last you know the lifetime and not just something that's going to last for you know three or four years because of the the, the small things that you put in place you know within the first first two years of their life um so i know for me so i've got three children i know for me like um there are things where i look back on my first first child and think there's things I didn't do that I should have done, but not to feel guilty about that, but to figure out, okay, so how can I improve that now? But also how have been able to improve it for my other two children as well. Um, and yeah, and, and seeing this stuff put into practice, I know it works. You know, the stuff that we're talking about, stuff that Karen's talked about in terms of, you know, your mental health and, and your relationship with your baby, you know, seeing it firsthand, how, how key and how important it is. I think um, talking about teenage dads and what Nick was saying, 
the, it's the motivation to be that sensitive, reciprocal caregiver. And um, we saw a shift about 70 years ago. Dad's moved from being in the pub while baby was being born to, to being at the hospital waiting, to being outside the room, to being in the room, to cutting the cord, to being in the pool. You know, and, and we've seen that, that transition from, from that. And that's not dad's choices, that's society bringing dads in. There is a risk that we've gone, that we go too far and that there's a pressure on dads to be in that room and that's not appropriate. Some of those dads cannot, cannot cope with, with seeing their, their partners in that kind of pain. And we need to try and encourage that open conversations about whether you should be in there, whether that's the best for you and your partner and your baby, um, whether there's a better support mechanism for mum at that point, whether there's techniques you can use to support yourself to, to do that. Um, so there is a pressure, more of a pressure to be involved. But then society hasn't really caught up and men still only get two weeks off paternity leave. Um, the, it's still really difficult for, for parents to share care leave, uh, care leave, but they're allowed to, but it's really difficult to do it and it doesn't happen very often. Um, so society is catching up. You know, We've just had a breakthrough with the NHS screening. So uh, dads whose partners are working with perinatal mental health teams will be screened from next year. Um, and we're, we're kind of key in that process in Greater Manchester because we're on that pathway. But the, Greater Manchester's far and away in front of everybody in the country in terms of that. Uh, there's not really anything like that anywhere else. Um, but they're still going to have to do it next year. But it's only those dads whose partners are struggling. So we need to get hold of those other dads. We need to engage those other dads and motivate them to, to understand what their relationship is. And like Nick said, half an hour a day, uh, interacting with your baby is enough to build a secure attachment with the baby but you're also a buffer for mum so if mum's struggling with her mental health you're a buffer for that baby at that point while mum gets better while mum feels better and babies can't wait for us to be better they need it straight away because they've got a two-year window where they're building 80 percent of their brain so in that two-year window we need to we need to do as much as we can to engage with them in the right way one important aspect is when you're working on attachment with your baby, all of the techniques that you use to support your baby's brain development and emotional development, um, they, they increase the hormones that we need to be okay. They increase serotonin um, and they decrease uh, stress hormones. So skin to skin for men is a vital ingredient in feeling okay, but also in supporting your baby and falling in love with your baby and bonding with your baby, as well as the, the connection the other way, the attachment the baby has with you. So we try and encourage all of that physical stuff because you can, as men, we can do that practical stuff. We know, oh, if somebody says, uh, you know, take your top off and hug your baby for a bit, it'll make you feel better. It's something practical that we can do without feeling that it's an emotional roller coaster or it's a journey through therapy. It's definitely just something that feels nice, but it does help, you know, um, and that's kind of what we want to try and get across. I feel like I'm learning a lot today. <laughs> this is amazing stuff. We've but... not even we've not even brushed the surface. I know, yeah, that, that I'm aware of that. I'm learning how much I don't know, which is which is great that I'm learning that ahead of time. Uh, I feel maybe very... season three we could get a little video like come down and see you at one of your sessions. Yeah. Like you know, because we're thinking about content, but yeah, this has been like really. Uh, I've seen Ed nodding along, like, but I, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like, really good chat, this, yeah. None of it's rocket science, though, is it? Like, oh. I'm sure Ed, you, you'll agree. Like, a lot of this stuff we do naturally anyway is yeah. parents. It's not stuff that we don't do. I think what, what we're trying to get across is that when you are struggling, this stuff's more important. 
it's just mm. as important as as um, as acknowledging how you're doing is yeah. engaging with the baby. When you're not struggling, you kind of can do it naturally and not yeah. think about it. But if you can acknowledge it and know that it's there, it's another tool in your toolbox, isn't it, to, to help oh. you? Through. Just having those contacts around, like, is, is important. I was reading you've got a stand at the hospital, like, you know, just, I think today, I don't know, but, like, it's just a great way to make yourself visible. And, and I think the aim is just to get guys feeling comfortable coming over to you, isn't it? Just give me one second and I will, um, I'll answer that. My 14-year-old's hovering. <laughs> She's 13. kids. <laughs> oh, there's a spider in the, in the hall. Okay, I'll get it after the <laughs> Keep that in. Keep that's, that in. That's, that's still a dad duty is to rid yeah. the house of spiders. Yeah, absolutely. No. Do you know what? We're, I'm single now, so me, me and my mum are together. Um, we're all on good terms, but she's the spider catcher, so uh, I, I'm, I'm stuck now. If there's a spider in the house, we're all in, in one room together. That's <laughs> there's so many roles of a dad, though, isn't there? Like, and the men's characters, like. Like my like the things that are my character that I think I'm quite strong at are not traditional masculine qualities. Like yeah, I'm incredibly perceptive, empathetic, sensitive. Like far, far and above on the surface of what my wife is. She's very practical. She was raised by her dad. I was raised by my mum. You know, and you're just a product of like your your upbringing in many ways, aren't you? But I, I, I you have to try and learn as much as you can. But sometimes I have to say I don't know how to to fix something. And it's very hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just being honest about it and, and sitting, again, it's just, I, I do it quite often with my kids, just sit with them and, and ask them what's going on and what they think about it. Um, and yeah, I, it's really hard for you to not give advice as a bloke. You want to say, have you tried this? Why don't you do that? And sometimes I'll have to say, I'll have to apologise and go, I didn't mean to tell you what to do. I just want to help you, you know, and let's think about it in a different way, yeah. Apologising to children is massive. Like, I'm a primary school teacher, or have been for 10 years, and, like, first of all, you notice the ones who don't have the real role model at home. And then I feel guilty. I'm like, well, I'm not a great role model. But then, actually, because I let them speak and I just, like, want to listen to them, maybe I am, and those sensitive qualities they've never seen before in a man. Yeah, definitely. Apologising has such a power with, with children. Um, yeah. They, they realise that, that they are like you. You're not... Mm different and and they can grow into what you are and mostly the, your kids like look up to you and they want to be more like you you know and they want those kind of qualities um but again yeah getting back to your pair your pop-up shop question about the the shops at the hospital so the the way that our, our work goes is that we have a uh, face-to-face contact with lots and lots of dads and the the way we change the antenatal classes groups was by having a, a dad chat live so every Wednesday at six o'clock, we have our dad chat live online. We go through all the same things that we would go through in the dad chat in the hospital, uh, but we also add some things in about uh, coronavirus or um, particular themes that week, like infant mental health week this week, um, or we have guests on. Um, and, and that went all right. And we're also looking into doing a, a, book, a book on ticketable uh, event for antenatal dads um, so they can book into it. It gives it a little bit more... Um, power for those dads it's more of a closed group they can get involved a bit more and the content's a little bit more structured um, we're looking hopefully to do that in a couple of weeks um, and that'll be something that we carry on afterwards but aside from that it was really difficult to to replicate the outreach that we did in antenatal clinics because we can't go in antenatal clinics dads can't go in antenatal clinics 
So we worked with the, the Foundation Trust at, at Bolton uh, with one of the specialist mental health midwives and looked at how we could safely be outside the hospital to see the dads that we knew were waiting for partners. Um, we worked all out, we did the risk assessments, we talked to their, their, the Foundation Trust at Bolton, they all agreed it was all uh, safe and it was, it, was, it was doable, but it was also, it was really positive. Um, so last week we did two. Um, and I honestly felt quite apprehensive about approaching people, not because I was worried about me, I felt quite comfortable and safe, but I was worried that they wouldn't feel safe if I was approaching them. Um, and we looked at what, how we could sort of negate that a little bit. So we, we've got some paper masks and we've got sanitizer and, and that kind of stuff. So it's just about being visibly looking after their safety, if, if that makes sense. So uh, last week on the, on the first day, which was last Wednesday, there was 50 dads that we saw hanging around just outside the, the hospital. Some of them were sat in cars. Some of them were outside the maternity entrance. Uh, some of them were, had been in maternity and had come out for, for a smoke or a bit of air. Um, they were waiting for antenatal appointments, for scans. Um, partners had gone into labour but weren't in established labour yet, which is when they're dilated at a certain amount and the contractions are, are, are quite quick. Um, so they were waiting to go into the delivery suite. We had dads picking up mums and babies from, from the ward. Um, so there was a lot of dads around. So this week, I felt a lot more confident about approaching dads and I spoke to 30 on Wednesday. Um, gave them information, asked them about the baby, asked them about why they were at the hospital, what was going on, and how they felt about it, and told them that we were an online community and they could come and get some information. And if they needed more support, to give us a ring. Um, so we're fulfilling that outreach element of what we're doing. We're opening up to our volunteers now as well. So if our volunteers have uh, completed the training and we've got the DBS and the references, they can go and do these pop-up shops. We're in talks with uh, St. Mary's, North Manchester, and Tameside. Oh, and Rochdale Infirmary as well to, uh, to, to replicate it there because there are commissioned areas um, where we have a local commission, um, which I haven't told you about really, have I? Um, we have a GM commission, which is our universal stuff, but then our local commissions, which is where Nick comes in, uh, deliver the targeted work in, in localities. So Nick works in Salford. Uh, we've also got Mick, which is really confusing. Luckily, they don't look alike because otherwise I'd be, I'd be lost. Um, and Mick works in uh, Tameside and Rochdale. I think it's really great that you, you, you've found a way, you've innovated to be able to still connect with your stakeholders because it, it's very timely. I mean, we, all, we obviously in this room already knew this, but uh, the, I think the NHS Director of Mental Health has come out today and said that people referring themselves for mental health, uh, for mental health reasons has actually dropped in this lockdown. And I think some of that must be attributable to the fact that services can't get out there and interact. And she, she was saying that, you know, it's absolutely vital that people do still realize that that support is out there. And, you know, we can, we could spend a whole afternoon or a whole day or a whole weekend talking about whether there's enough out there, but, you know, I think it's massive kudos to you guys for finding a way to let people know that you're out there. And I think other people could, could take that as, as a, a real good example of, of what to do, especially in this time. So I, I thought it was very timely and very interesting. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of uh, research happening at the moment. We're sharing lots of family questionnaires and, and research papers from, from lots of places because we're, we're in a time where we need the data to move forward. We need to know why those uh, referrals have dropped. Um, I think personally, I think there maybe is some, some kind of element of 
particularly for men, we have to acknowledge how we're doing before we can access support. And very often acknowledging it is experiencing a service or a service user or a peer supporter, or even just seeing a poster. And that's not, that's not happening. So that part of that, that process is gone. Um, so, so we're very good at putting it in a box and walking past it every day. But as soon as we acknowledge it, because we've seen a poster and that box opens because that post says you need to look after yourself, then you can think about what you can do about it. But, we, but I think that may be the element that we're missing, which is why we were so keen to get back in, into, the, uh, into the hospitals and speaking to the dads directly. Yeah, very, very important. And uh, just before we kind of wrap this up, anything from our end, boys, that you want to add to this? Any more questions? Or? Um, I just, I just found it fascinating. It's something I'm going to really look into, um, especially, you know, as, as, you know, I, I didn't really have that sort of support. I wasn't really aware of it. Um, a lot of my, you know, self learning over recent years has been a reading work by a Canadian physician called uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, and he wrote a book called Hold On To Your Kids. And he talked about parental stress on kids. Um, and he talks about the essential conditions for healthy development is nurturing parents. But that, and, and, and with someone who's grown up with depression, um, I, was off, I was often there for my kids, but I was absent because of my depression. And, 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 I, and I'm so aware of that potential impact that that's had on my kids. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to make up for it now as they're adults and, and talking to them openly. But just being unaware of that as a parent and the impact. And, and paradoxically, one of the most incredible experiences and the most distressing experience of my life was watching my wife give birth because seeing her in that pain was just, mm. uh, I, 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 that really affected me for a long time. But, you know, it's supposed to be this most amazing experience because you're seeing a child being born. I think, I think it, it was worse with one of them than it was with another, I think. Um, and, and there was, there's no sort of, there was no sort of recognition of that. And I was never really aware of the sort of impact that may have had on me. But just it's just incredible to think that there's a service out there now that is is supporting in dads, and I think it's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. I think uh, pick, just picking up on your point about about mental health, one of the reasons that we concentrate on mental health as one of our three key components um, is that it has such a big impact on on attachment in in the early years. Um, and like you said, you can do all the practical stuff for your kids, but you need to be attuned to their their cues. You need to see when they want to play. You need to see when they want to interact. And, and when you're struggling with your mental health, that's when that 60% drops. So 60% is good enough. And then it starts to drop and we need to work on how we can do that. And sometimes it's being aware of doing these practical things that increase that, uh, that content. And that's kind of what we're looking at. It's a key component in the training that we do with our volunteers. We're always looking for volunteers. So if, if you know anyone or, you, you, or if you guys would like to, um, look into it a little bit it's 30 minutes a month is the minimum we ask for which is uh, how long a group would last but you can do more than that if you want to do drop-ins in antenatal clinics um, the training we're, we're doing online at the moment over two or three sessions um, sometimes it, when we can do face-to-face -face, it's about a three-hour session in the evening um, and we need dbs and references from an application form so anybody is interested in volunteering just drop us a line and we can send you an application pack out yeah, we'll be happy to help you spread the word of that. And uh, yeah, before I let you, you know, tell, tell about where people can find you, I think a theme that I've seen coming through is 
like being present, isn't it? Like being present to the experiences and the feelings and, and the things that are needed and, and, and interesting, you know, but people will make mistakes and, and just accepting. There's a lot of themes there, isn't there? But uh, I'm sure there's more to come and hopefully if this podcast keeps on growing, which now John and Eddie are on board, I think it will. Um, we could get some kind of content in the future as well. So it, just to kind of wrap it up, where, where can people find you if they haven't already found you? Um, we are on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram as Dad Matters UK. Um, although we are technically just Greater Manchester at the moment, we have had talks with people further afield. So hopefully one day. So that's Dad Matters UK. And then our website is dadmatters.org.uk. Um, you can also find us at Home Start, Oldham, Stockport, and Tame Brilliant, brilliant. It was a really good chat. Thank you to John, Ed, Kieran, Nick. Fantastic. Really enjoyed that. Cheers, Thank fellas. you so much, guys. That was, that was great. Yeah. Good day. And we'll get this on YouTube. It's our first YouTube podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See you later, guys. See you guys. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. See you later. Bye.